Welcome to Grand Canyon University's Teaching Tips, a survey of educational improvement. And now, here are the hosts of today's Teaching Tips, Joshua Sagata and Mark Trollinger. And we are back. Welcome to Teaching Tips. My name is Joshua Sagata. And I'm Mark Trollinger. Mark, today in studio, we have a very special guest, a man who deserves no introduction, and I mean that wholeheartedly, (laughs) but totally kidding. We love all of our guests, and so... um, Nathan, when he's in trouble. <laughs> Nate, when he's not. Yes. Nathan, also, I imagine your mother calls you Nathan, but I will save that for her. So, Nate, Ter's listener, how'd I do? That was pretty good. Because we get, yeah. you know, I'm sure you get, it's, I'm going to spell it for everybody, and, well, they'll see it online, but T-E-R-L-I-S-N-E-R? Yes. And so, you get a variety of uh, pronunciations before yes. the show. You said you've, you've had it butchered. Right. What's your favorite mispronunciation? That would be my second grade teacher who, this brings up a lot of trauma for me, just so you know, <laughs> but he called me Turd Slinger. Really? Nathan Turd Slinger. On purpose I'm, or I'm, was it a... <laughs> no, that was just a mistake, oh, yeah. but it took me a while to get healing from that one. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> your, your arm movement was like a monkey in the zoo <laughs> slinging. That's crazy. Okay, so how, how about the per- correct, let's hear you say it correctly. Okay, tur listener. Tur listener. Yes. That's not correct. <laughs> <laughs> I'm correcting you on your own. Well, it's like Sugata, like the American way is Sugata, but Sugata is technically, I always just Sugata. Like if I go Sugata, people will be like, why are you doing this fake Japanese accent? So, now guess what nationality is tur listener? This is a good question. Mark, what do you think? You take the first one. Croatia. I don't know. <laughs> Antarctican? <laughs> German. German. Oh, yeah. Deutsch. Okay, well, well, I'm, I'm hoping we can fill at least five minutes with our name <laughs> introduction. <laughs> so, this is great, but Nate, we had, you're a very, very, if you haven't, can't tell already, very fun uh, gentleman to have around the office, and Nate and I have had the extreme pleasure of having you in our department now for, you're coming up, you passed your month mark, you passed your six-month mark. Mm-hmm. Where, where are you at right now? A little bit over six months. A little just More. over. And so we, we were excited to have you because you weren't always within faculty training development. You've been at Grand Canyon for many a year, mm-hmm. close to a decade. And so seven and a half seven, years. If we're well, rounding up, that's 10. We were just talking about that in a show. That's good. We like to round up. Yes. For bonuses. So, yeah, sake, Mark and I, good. we've been married for about 50 years. Um, we <laughs> round to each other. <laughs> no, to our wives. <laughs> to our wives. <laughs> I'm so glad you clarified. So, Nate. Before faculty training development, you have where, – where were you? I know where, but tell everyone where. Right. So I was a university counselor with College of Theology for about seven years. Excellent. So on the operations side, so you dealt directly with students. Mm-hmm. You would uh, – anytime they had issues, you, you could help uh, schedule them to get them enrolled. Mm-hmm. If they called in, they were like, hey, my instructor's not providing feedback, then you would place uh, – a case you would make faculty training development aware of what was going on. Right. And and so you had a chance to interact with thousands of students. What was that like? Yeah, it was really fun to see things from the students' perspective. You know, with theology, we have students all over the country, even all over the world. Sometimes mm-hmm. we got international students in. That was really rewarding because you get to see what ministry is like in different contexts. So enrolling for theology, I had people that were right out of high school and then some people who had 30 years of ministry experience, and they're just going back to school for the first time. So to hear all the God stories was amazing. Um, And then to be, you know, that 
person to help them walk mm -hmm. through, get you know into the program, learn the system. It's really helped me with my current position. In the past, I was also like a academic counselor, and mm -hmm. yeah, what you just mentioned there, I, that I think was one of the great benefits is that you know you get these students when they're new to the program, and, but but you work with them throughout their whole career as a student. So you get to see that you know, sometimes maybe when they first come, they're not fully developed. And then over the mm -hmm. the course, you, you see them progress. And then getting to that graduation is just a great event. I yeah. like how you said, like, he wasn't actually an academic. He just liked to point out things that were wrong with people. <laughs> You're studying the wrong thing. You're taking the wrong class. I'm like, Mark, what are you doing? You don't even work here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Leave. Sometimes, depending on how they responded to me, I might put them in tougher classes. <laughs> just because. Just because I could. Well, that's great. And so, Nate, you, you, I imagine, so one thing you said is you get to interact with people across all, all walks of life. And I always think it's fascinating because when I was in operations as a finance counselor, I would do this too. I was at my desk to work. And so I was in a, you know, I was in a professional setting. But you're calling people who literally could be at the gym. They could be hiking a mountain. Mm -hmm. They could be, you know, like they're just, they're doing life and they're not sure what they their next step is. So you get people, you know, you said they've been in ministry 30 years. They're going to go back to school. They've been out for three decades. So you got to help them through navigating a computer and things like that. Mm -hmm. So. This sounds like great preparation for your current role. And so you are currently a, a faculty manager. And so I was hoping you could share a little about, well, like, what, what is that? Right. So there's a lot of aspects to the position. So we're under the umbrella of faculty training and development. So one part of it is training. Um, I actually just got done doing a cohort connection training. So that's specifically for cohort faculty. We have courses in the evening from 5.30 to 9.30 for many different programs from business to counseling to on on the ground campus on the ground so, campus so yeah faculty will come here yep. and they'll teach a 4 hour class one night a week right exactly and so yeah we have a specialized training just for that faculty because it's difficult to teach a 4 hour class you know mm -hmm. there's a lot of variables that come up and so we cover those in the training. Yeah. So training is one aspect of it. And then, you know, coaching faculty is another aspect that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. So we do, you know, classroom drop-ins. We go and, you know, view instructors teaching a course. And we can offer them feedback and coaching. And, and so we get to investigate, you know, aspects of instruction in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, very rewarding as well to come in and be able to work with faculty. Well, it seems like cohort-type classes are really growing, right? Because mm -hmm. most people now are working, and then they may find whatever their position in life that maybe they have to go back to school. So they're kind of challenging because you're at work all day, mm -hmm. and then you come and have to go to class. Mm -hmm. For four hours. For four hours. And then from the teaching aspect, most of the resources on campus are closed at that time. So you're, if you're there in the evening, there's maybe no one to go to right then for help. So. Mm -hmm. Having a training and knowing what to do and how to fill that four-hour time block is pretty important. Very important role. Yeah. And, and the college you particu in particular you serve now, is it still theology? There's aspects of it, yeah. I work mostly with humanities and social sciences, okay. yeah. But I know a cohort could touch on, on many yep. more. So you're a, a well-versed gentleman. And so you also teach for the university, correct? And that's a very uh, big area of passion for you. Mm -hmm. What type of courses do you teach? Yeah, so my master's is in counseling. So the courses I teach are at the undergrad level are behavioral health courses. Okay. So BHS 320, 330, those are uh, 
cultural diversity courses, ethics courses, and I teach a couple courses in the new Masters of Health and Wellness, which is a graduate program. Gotcha. And it's a great program. It's for those who don't necessarily want to go into counseling and become mm-hmm. licensed, but they're working in mental health care. Okay. So you got case managers, directors, you know, a lot of people get their bachelor's in psychology or sociology. Right, right. They get into the field and they want to advance. And so this master's program is really excellent. It's 36 credits. We have it online. We have the cohort as well. And it's a great fit for those people that want to move up and be in leadership in mental health, mm-hmm. but don't necessarily want to counsel people. That's great. You seem like, yeah, you'd get a lot of wide variety of topics mm-hmm. coming up. And I, I would imagine the class is never boring. Like that has to be a very exciting class to teach. Maybe, maybe I could just come in and guest lecture. I have no professional experience, <laughs> but but it, it could be fun. I think Mark and I, maybe we just do something together Yeah, and then just yeah. see what happens. You but, guys could maybe role play like, you know, a relationship that has its ups and downs. You know, and because I know you guys have your ups and downs. Yeah, it's well documented on this podcast. (laughs) So what if our listenership's only two? (laughs) It happens to be our parents. What what does that matter? Well, so, okay, so what are some of those topics within, because I don't think Mark and I, we've ever talked about mental health on the show before where we've had a guest that Mm. taught. And so I'm, I'm fascinated by the field. It's very important. It's very relevant. What are the topics that are kind of like big hot topics or that are, are fun to talk about just because they're they're so prevalent, but maybe people aren't aware of. Yeah, there are some topics in mental health that relate to all faculty and instruction and teaching. For instance, one of the things we cover is neuroplasticity, which is basically the brain's ability to change. Decades ago, they believed that the brain, basically once you became an adult, would stay the same. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change much. Now with, you know, advancements in neuroscience over the last 50 years, we see that, wow, the brain changes a lot. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things you can do to help change your brain. So it doesn't matter if you were a drug addict for a long time, you can change the neurons in your brain by thinking differently and new behaviors. Because Mm -hmm. everything you think and do uh, becomes a network of neurons in your brain. Mm -hmm. So the more you do something, the more that neural network becomes developed which is why it becomes easy to do things you've done many times. Mm-hmm. Like tying your shoe, that's something you don't have to think about too much. You can multitask. Especially right? when they're slip-ons or just Crocs. You're rocking the Crocs <laughs> with socks. Yeah, it's just slip-on. But, but what happens when you have to learn something new that you do for the first time? Right. You have to concentrate. It's a little more difficult. But you keep doing it, and that neural network becomes more ingrained in your brain. And that's why we can learn things and keep growing. So the way it applies to class and the reason why I think so many students are excited about it is because you don't have to stay the same. You can change. Even aspects of your personality, if you don't like them, you can learn to think differently. And this actually lines up with Scripture. So being a, a Christian university, we get to bring in you know, biblical truth into the classroom and discuss it. And for instance, you know, Philippians chapter 4 talks about the Apostle Paul says, whatever is good and noble and trustworthy and praiseworthy, think about these things. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting when you take a step back. He's basically assuming that we have the ability to choose what we think about. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he says, think about these things that are good. And so that's a revelation for a lot of students that you get to control what you think. Mm-hmm. Your brain doesn't have to dictate it. So, you know, we do cover things like toxic thinking, negative thinking, and how to address those. And the big umbrella term for that is cognitive behavioral therapy. So gotcha. that's one thing we cover in the class. Yeah, there's the, the, the current church I attend, the, the, there was a series on anxiety that just mm-hmm. it wrapped up. And um, one of the, the things this is right on point with what you're talking about. Even the verse, finally, brothers, you know, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, you know, that was mm-hmm. one of the key verses they were talking about. But they say you know, the pastor gave an analogy of an air traffic controller. So if you, if you think of an air traffic controller, they see all the planes, but they give permission to certain ones to land in a specific order to prevent chaos and tragedy. Mm-hmm. And the same with us, with the thoughts in our mind, we might not be able to control, per se, something entering our, our head, our airspace and our minds, but we can control what we give permission to land. Mm-hmm. And so the whole premise of it was, you know, there's millions upon millions of people that suffer with anxiety mm-hmm. and um, anxiety disorders are, are through the roof today. And right. so he's talking about, hey, how can we, how can we do that? And he, he brought in, you know, retraining your brain's um, neurons and the creating synapses, I believe is the, the term mm-hmm. he had, where you can, you can actually reroute and rewire the way your brain thinks mm-hmm. by saying no. And again, there's there's out, uh, other you know things like if if you need professional help or medication or what what right. have you, you get the help you need, and then you you work on this on a spiritual level. So very relevant. I I, I love how um, you know you're able to take something that maybe is considered taboo in the workplace per se, and kind of talk about it on a educational level with your students and, and, and live life, you know, with them. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. And so I imagine your class is ever evolving because of that. Are there any crazy topics that have come up to where you're like, whoa, that's, that was, didn't picture that going there. Or, or do you, are you able to have the, has it been yeah. pretty straightforward? Yeah. There is a lot that comes up in counseling and behavioral health courses. You know, I've had students start talking about their depression and uh-huh. even their diagnosis. You know, students saying, yeah, I'm bipolar and this, you know, this is what I deal with. And I was happy to see, you know, the class respond well. And, you know, it created like a teaching moment, basically, where we explored these different symptoms. Because as you said, with anxiety, everybody's dealing with something. Everybody's had to overcome obstacles in life. Mm -hmm. And everybody's dealing with mental health in their own life. And everybody has toxic or negative thinking that comes in. Mm -hmm. So everybody can relate to the topic. And addressing those areas in a healthy way makes a big difference. It gives people confidence. It encourages people to you know, face what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. It cuts out the stigma. And when you get honest about stuff, that's when you can actually deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I don't see it as a negative thing when it does come up in class. Okay. Just maybe because of my counseling background, I'm more comfortable dealing with it. But yeah, if you stay focused on you know, how we can manage our own mental health, then... It's okay for students to bring up tough topics like that. Yeah, so what would your advice be? So if I'm a faculty member uh, and I don't have that counseling background, we've, we've approached this in similar context of, you know, integrating faith in the classroom. If you weren't a pastor, how do you integrate this? Mm-hmm. So if I'm at, when I was in public ed, we, we approached this topic as it was called brain-based learning. And I don't know why I remember this. I believe the author was Eric Jensen. There was a book that we had, and um, our district was using it for, for professional development. But it stopped at 
from what I remember, um, it stopped at trying to get students to use their whole brain. And it, it didn't go into, hey, the, the spiritual side. It didn't go into the mental health element. But, you know, at a collegiate level, you might be, you, you might be more prone to get that. You know, you mm-hmm. get young adults, you get people who've been in the field for, you know, three decades, as you indicated, they're coming back to school. So if someone has an issue that they do bring up, like in class, or, you know, what what would your encouragement be to kind of help guard, you know, set guardrails or drive it back to an area of comfort for the instructor to where they can somewhat address it, but not speak to professionally, you know, like, oh, I'm a counselor, listen right. to me. Yeah, generally speaking, it's not wise to go into a therapy session in the classroom. So let's just put that out there first. Yeah, but you can bring it back on topic. So a student says, I'm struggling with uh, depression or, you know, I've had suicidal ideations in the past. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, thank you for your comment. I appreciate you being open and honest. Let's tie it back into the curriculum you know, what the subject matter is. Mm-hmm. And I let students know that, hey, I'm here to talk to you more about this after class. And if you don't have the expertise, obviously that's where you can bring in all the resources that most schools have, including GCU, which is, you know, the wellness center. Mm-hmm. We have counseling available to students. Um, you know, so there's resources available. There's all kinds of nonprofits that I just know of working in the field that I can recommend that even take people pro bono, you know, so free counseling available. But GCU does have counseling. It's just sometimes there's a wait time. So depending on how serious it is, you can go that route. We also have the wellness check. Mm -hmm. So if somebody does share something and you feel like they're in danger mm-hmm. or they might hurt themselves the wellness check process you know all faculty go through that training on how to go about that but that's for the students own good you know you reach out to wellness and they get in contact with the student mm-hmm. if a student is in harm's way but if if that's not the case and they're just sharing then you know hey thank you for your comment let's get back to the material so it's not personal mm-hmm. but it's something that can be applied to everybody so yeah everybody has low times. Can we agree on that? Yeah, I've had low times. Who hasn't suffered depression? Now everybody's relating to the situation. It's not just about the one student. And then you can tie it back into, hey, what's some ways we can deal with depression? Oh, meditation. Great answer. Oh, you know, taking walks, exercise. Great answer. Seeing a mental health professional, a counselor. Mm -hmm. Great answer. So you bring it back Mm -hmm. to the material and give, you know, supportive ways where everybody can, can get help. I like that. And I, I also think uh, as an encouragement to anyone, you know, listening faculty-wise, so we have a lot of resources within the faculty resource center that talks about, so the wellness center you talked about, the mm-hmm. the wellness check on a student. So uh, Grand Canyon takes it very seriously. We have a, we have an entire public safety department, PD, that um, they can physically check on students on, on campus if there's a concern, if you're in the online world. The one thing I, I wanted to point out is just for faculty to kind of investigate that early and ahead of time. Because I think the last thing that any of us want to do is be in a situation where we feel caught off guard. <laughs> and if we just take a couple minutes to find out what those resources are ahead of time, I think it can save for heartache later, but also having to go back. You know, like I, I would never want to find myself in a situation, whether it's online or face-to-face in a cohort environment or traditional where students says something, I'm like, wow, that sounds really tough. Let me go ahead and research that for you. I'll get back to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Or in a, which in some cases you may have to. But if you have a couple of those tools in your tool belt and then you know that there's a wellness check form or, 
hey, here's a great website on our GCU uh, page, you know, gcu.edu. Check this out. Mm-hmm. You know, th- that I think could speak volumes. And and I love your advice on taking it to the class level and then bringing it back to the topic discussion so it doesn't seem so far out there in left field. Because I think the worst thing, if anyone's dealing with something, they don't ever want to feel like they're on an island. And I think that's a it's a very successful tool of the enemy to make us feel like no one else can relate to us and that we, you know, we are on an island. So it's better. It's like, no, we're not. Let's, let's talk about this. I'm here for you and I'll support you. So Mark. And one thing that I, I like to mention about is that when you were talking about the brain's ability to change, I think sometimes, you know, students may be trauma in the past where somebody has told them, oh, you're this or you're that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they get that in their mindset and then that affects their, their, performance, or maybe they think, oh, I can't do this. I know myself when I was in high school, you know, I didn't really put in much effort. So when I was thinking about going to college, I thought, well, you know what? I probably can't do that. It's above my ability to to go to college. And so when I started, I thought I'm going to fail out of this, this place. I went to a small college and I had computer classes since I was in sixth grade. When I first got to college, you know, my roommates wanted to go out and do stuff. And I was like, no, I have to to focus on this this test. And my very first test was a computer science test, something I should know very easily at that point. And I failed it. And I thought, wow, you know, <laughs> this is above me. And then somehow I, I just did manage to overcome that, you know, maybe a few positive grades in, in certain classes. And then th- that just transformed my thinking, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then when I went, you know, I thought, well, I I'm not going to go to college after this. You know, when I graduate, that's it. But then I took a break and then went back to college. And even while I signed up for the uh, PhD program, I thought, you know, I probably can't do this, but it'll be a challenge. So let me just see if I could mm-hmm. and made it through until I gave up. But, you know, I think it's just important for students to know that, that, hey, that you can change your thinking mm-hmm. and the, your thinking becomes your performance. Yeah, that's really good. I think so often our past experiences are trying to define our present and our future. Mm. And that's how the brain works. You know, we have to interpret everything we're experiencing based off the past, Mm. you know, based off of past knowledge. So when we, you know, struggle in school or you have that person of influence telling you, you can't do it, you're not smart enough, you know, you're a failure, that's echoing in our head subconsciously, oftentimes even consciously. And, you know, there's a verse going back to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 where he says, we take every thought captive or make it obedient to Christ. And it's an amazing verse because he's saying you have to take this thought that's in your head and basically examine it and say, is this real? Is this true? Is this who I really am? You know, in light of the gospel in light of who Jesus is. And that's really what helped me start to transform my thinking was the reality that, okay, I'm a son now. God loves me. I have potential. And so I'm a child of God. I'm a son. And therefore, I can get my thinking to line up with that. So all these negative thoughts about you're not going to succeed, you know, you're not good enough for school. I have to examine those and say, all right, if these don't line up with truth, I have to throw it out. And that's what neuroplasticity is about, the, the reality that you can actually change your thinking and start to 
think according to the truth that I can basically, whatever I put my mind to, growth mindset, I know you've had people in here before talking about that, mm -hmm. but whatever I put my mind to will become more clear the more I do it. Neuroplasticity, and Mark, I love seeing what just happened. He brought it back to retraining the brain. And so in regards to prep for the show, I told Nate, I was like, I, Mark and I don't think you can pull your weight, Nate. So <laughs> we had to retrain our brains to say he can do this. And so in preparation for that, I lined up a special drop-in guest. And no sooner did was this starting to drop and drag. <laughs> no offense, Nate. <laughs> but Jim Miller, our corporate chaplain... <laughs> happened to be coming by the studio because I know we're going to eat later together, uh, lunch. But Jim, we've had Jim on in the past, and he's, I know you guys are great friends, so I thought it would be a fun surprise just to have Jim come by and say hi. Jim is an expert, <laughs> a professor on neuroplasticity, Yeah, and yeah, here I, he is I in think the that's, flesh. Isn't that what I did my doctoral thesis on? I think it was. Neuroplactical. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wrote out how to spell later so I could Google it and figure out what exactly uh, yeah. We've referenced it a lot, and I have no is idea. No idea what it is. Just between you <laughs> and me, no idea. That's not surprising. No idea. So I know you and Nate go back a ways because um, a lot of times when Nate was on operations side, before he was a faculty training development, he would stop by because you're building 71 over there. Not and just stop by. He would he would plant himself <laughs> for hours at a His time. His manager wanted to know <laughs> just where he now went. Now the truth comes out. Well, let's clarify something. I was actually helping Jim. That's true. I was doing counseling. That's true. Helping him through some counseling things. Counseling me. Yeah, yes. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So, well, we all, you know, Yoda had a master, right? So we, I have no, I'm not, I've never even seen the movie, but I don't know why oh, wow. that came out. <laughs> But Did Yoda have a master? I I don't know. Know. Wouldn't he, Yoda wouldn't a master? he have to? Didn't Shakespeare? Didn't Mark the great Mark Trollinger? Didn't he learn from someone? Yeah, so it was Joshua Sagan. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> this is because of... So uh, sideways real fast once I came in. <laughs> but one thing I did, I did want to point out, like in, in your guys' friendship. So I know uh, Jim, you spend a lot of time counseling employees, which is which is awesome. And so we've talked about Nathan's background with uh, mental health, and so he, a lot of the courses he teaches in mental health. And so we have a lot of topics. So I was curious when Nate gets topics that come up that are heavy and deep in class, he's able to bring up those comments. You know, he shared with the audience. You know, if a student says, "Oh, yeah, I've struggled with depression," he goes, "Okay, let's bring it back to the class level so it doesn't get awkward, but we can we can help the student." What are things that, you know that you've done? Because you probably you know in your years of ministry, what are things you've done when somebody brings up something that is super personal? How can you provide assistance without necessarily being the one to provide the assistance, so to speak. Because there's a lot of people listening that are going to have topics come up in the classroom and they're going to say, I'm not equipped to deal with this on a professional level. The, the first thing would be to determine who needs the professional. I mean, is this a situation that a professional right. is needed in? And so uh, you, as far as like in my position, what I've done is I have – resources that I know that if I run it when I run into one of those mm -hmm. that can pretty easily identify that and say this is way out of my okay. this is so deep but really though is it aren't most problems uh, you know listening to, to Nate earlier talking about living out of the truth of of God's word and understanding who we are and I just think I don't know how many problems there are that outside of the extreme stuff that that the normal 
that we aren't, as followers of Jesus, supposed to be dealing with, you know, mm-hmm. in our classrooms or at work or, you know. I mean, I don't know how many times I sit at the table in my office mm-hmm. and somebody's telling me stuff and I'm like, in my head saying, Jesus, I, I got nothing for this person. What am mm-hmm. I supposed to say in this mm-hmm. situation? Mm-hmm. What am I, how am I supposed to respond to this? Yeah. And it, without fail, God steps into that and gives me an idea or a question mm-hmm. to ask or truth to speak. And, and this goes, and just saying that, it just goes right back to if we're willing to speak the truth in love to people, that's when growth happens, I think. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what you were saying earlier? I mean, Nate, the, as far as neuroplasticity <laughs> goes, it's, that, better. it's getting better each time. To retrain our mm-hmm. our understanding of who we are, yeah. and that's just truth being spoken over us, right? Yeah, to understand that. It's that's a great point. You know, our thinking is attached to our emotions. You know, we we know that. So if I'm thinking really negative, I'm going to feel really negative, right? Mm-hmm. We all know that in, intuitively, but now you know with counseling and neuroscience, we can flesh it out a little better as far as like the chemistry in the brain. And so, you know, if somebody is feeling really depressed, you know, it's likely more often than not, they're thinking really negatively. Right. But they, they're not doing that consciously. Right. It's like, man, I'm, I'm worthless. And then they're yeah, just, yeah, they're, they're just, just kind of in there. Man, I'm so worthless. I'm so stupid. You know, my kids don't want to be with me. I've made mistakes in the past, and now mm-hmm. it's going to dictate my future, you know. And we don't say them out loud, and so we don't realize mm-hmm. that we have nothing but negativity running through our mind mm-hmm. most of the time. And then we don't make the connection between our feelings and our thinking. Mm-hmm. And what happens is when we can start to change our thinking, um, and you can do it from a secular perspective. I teach at Glendale, and I teach a lot of these same things. Mm-hmm. You can do it from the Christian perspective because you know we're called to put on truth and put off the old. And what happens is when we start to put on the truth that, man, I'm loved just for who I am unconditionally, put on hope, I have a future because God is with me and God loves me and you know, he cares about the desires of my heart. You know, when you start to think positive, the Philippians 4, mm-hmm. what happens is your emotions come in line with that. And it's amazing. You think positive and according to truth, and you start to feel better mm-hmm. about yourself and other people, and you start to care about other people. And you get your thinking off of yourself. That's actually a huge mm-hmm. thing right there. It's just to not be so self-consumed because love is about you know, loving other people. Yeah. So these are steps that everybody can can learn and grow in, and that's a big part of discipleship. And chemically, our brains react differently when we have those negative thoughts mm-hmm. that we just that we allow to land, and that they we just run through in our heads over and over and over again. Versus having thoughts of hope, having the joy, having you know, securing onto promises that are you know secured to us in love. Mm-hmm. So that in itself allows you to retrain your brain, so to speak, without even being aware of it. Yeah, and that gives a lot of people hope that even though they might have this track record of thinking negative and feeling negative and you know maybe even trauma and a lot of bad stuff from their past, you teach neuroplasticity and it gives people hope. Like, oh, my brain can change? Mm-hmm. Like, in other words, when you start to change your thinking to be more positive and according to truth, your brain is literally changing. Mm-hmm. That gives hope to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You can change your brain, and that excites people. Is that a hard mindset to break out of, though? Like, 
So if you're having negative thoughts, I mean, you're not always receiving negative thoughts. Sometimes somebody might give you a positive thought, but if you're yeah, in a negative mind that. frame, you're going to yeah. probably dismiss that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, you're just saying something. Mm-hmm. It would probably take a lot of practice and probably focused attention to force your way through that and right. start accepting some of those yeah. positives. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And that's why walking through how the brain works sometimes helps people make that connection because it is so ingrained. It's like, you know, tying your shoe and negative thinking, you just wake up with it, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't always make that connection. So just the idea that you can actually look in on your thinking, you can actually observe what you're thinking about and you can choose what you think about. That's a, a huge like light bulb for a lot of people. If they can just realize, wow, I'm actually doing this, but Maybe I'm not aware of it. Yeah, and not to oversimplify this very complex topic, but just all faculty, I think a great takeaway, you know, we talk about uh, our communication with students using a sandwich method or, or, you know, you start with positive, you can interject the area of opportunity of growth for the student, but then always end on a positive. So I think a lot of students feel victimized when we give feedback because all we're doing is pointing out, oh, missed a comma, oh, this doesn't, subject verb agreement doesn't match up. You didn't hit the main points of these pillars for this assignment. And so all they're seeing is this red ink on the paper. And if you would take the time just to kind of sandwich that and say, hey, I appreciate all the effort you put in this paper. This was you met the word count. And this is great. I just wanted to point out you, there's some areas of opportunity for growth and lift them and go, but but I've seen so much growth and so much potential in you as a student. And I appreciate mm-hmm. this. Let's keep it up. I think. We, we could be more cognizant and aware that we do have students dealing with, you know, mm-hmm. mental health issues. They don't, they don't vocalize it. They don't say that. And, we all, and even, you know, peer-to-peer. Again, when Mark does Talk Down Tuesday to me, maybe he, <laughs> should, he should switch that to Make a Difference Monday yeah. and, and send me an encouragement. More and sandwiches. So, more sandwiches. Think sandwich. That's right. So no, that, that's a great point. Ending on the positive note, yeah. Because um, Mark, you brought you brought up a great point that they might not be able to receive that positive yeah. encouragement very well, but that doesn't mean you don't do it. Mm-hmm. You still keep hitting it because that neuron is becoming more and more strong. That neural network, and a lot of people they haven't had a lot of positive, so it does feel like it just bounces off them. But if you keep doing it, it'll begin to land more. You know, one of my favorite theologians said in high school, he grew up in a lot of abusive situations and had a really negative stepmom. And so he always thought he was stupid, one, because he stuttered, and two, because he had ADHD. So he's always getting, you know, sent to okay. time out. But in high school, he took like a philosophy course and he kind of liked it. And the high school teacher said, wow, you know, you're really good at philosophy. You should think about this. And it changed the directory of his life. Wow. He finally saw something he was interested in, and he had you know, a positive person telling him he's good at it. So he went out of college, got his bachelor's in philosophy, ended up getting his PhD in, in theology, and now he's a pastor. Yes. So you never know how that positive encouragement yeah. might From just land person. and yeah. change. Wow. Well, on a positive note, I want to thank you, Nate and Jim, for stopping by. This is great. Uh, a lot of fun. It's a, it's a teaching tips first for us. But, um, Nate, you you doing what you do. I know you interact with so many faculty. You've, you've impacted the lives of thousands of students across the nation, possibly the world. Um, and just for your passion, I, I appreciate it. And I want to encourage you to keep doing that with the cohort, with 
everyone you meet. You're just a very positive person. And so we'll go and wrap things up today. Thank you for your time listening out there. If you want to check out more information on teaching tips, please feel free to visit our podcast homepage. For teaching tips, my name is Joshua Sagata. And I'm Mark Collinger. This has been an episode of Teaching Tips. Thanks for listening in today. Join us next week as we continue our survey of effective educational practices.